0: Hello and welcome to Happy Place with me Fern Cotton. Today I have a very special episode for you made possible by National Lottery players. I'm chatting to Melanie Woods.
1: I don't know if you've seen a racing wheelchair but they are not made for comfort so when I first sat in one I was like oh my goodness this is awful. (laughs) I was also really really bad very slow but I think that was kind of the beauty of it like I was not good I wasn't like no one said to me, oh, you you know, you're going to be good. You're going to be amazing at this. But I was like, I can only get better. So I think that was kind of like motivated me to try and get going and work hard to see how good I could get.
0: What a summer of sport we're having. We've just had the women's Euros and now we're in the midst of the Commonwealth Games, which is being hosted in Birmingham this year. Thanks to National Lottery players, over £40 million has been raised to support the Games. £40 million! That is amazing. To mark the event, the National Lottery have launched a campaign celebrating some of the athletes. And one of those incredible athletes is Melanie Woods. Melanie is a Scottish wheelchair racer who competes in the T54. If you're not familiar with T54, it's a class which includes people with spinal cord injuries. In 2018, Melanie was riding her bike when she was hit by a car the impact shattering her back and pelvis and breaking her leg in three places. Doctors told her she'd never walk again. But having been introduced to wheelchair racing at her local athletics club, she then made her Paralympics debut at the delayed Tokyo Games. She finished fifth in the T-54 800 metre event and is undoubtedly one to watch at this year's Commonwealth Games. Go on, Melanie! She has an awe inspiring outlook on life, and I think there's a lot we can all learn from the way she's approached the challenges she's personally been faced with. Okay, here it is. This is the show. <laughs> Melanie welcome to happy place it's so lovely to to virtually meet you today
1: I know thanks for having me on it's a shame it can't be in person
0: (laughs) I know whereabouts are you today I'm in Glasgow. You're in Glasgow, okay. And you've got the Commonwealth Games quite literally round the corner. How are you feeling? How's the preparation going? Yeah, it's
1: coming around quick. Um, Yeah, it's all super exciting. It's kind of like last preparations now, just fine tuning and um, yeah, just looking forward to it. So
0: how many races have you got coming up in the Commonwealth?
1: So because it's an integrated event, our events are limited. So it's just the 1500 metres that we have. So yeah, a little bit longer than I would be liking to do, but excited for it.
0: And what is the training preparation for that? Like how long have you been training for this specific event coming up? What kind of training do you get stuck into before an event of this size?
1: So, I mean, this summer has kind of been geared towards the Commonwealth Games. So we've kind of been looking at this event thinking, you know, this is going to be the big one. So, you know, my training, I train six days a week, uh, usually kind of two sessions in a day. And that's like... A huge mix of being on the track, strength and conditioning in the gym, quite a number of things that kind of are getting me ready to, to race.
0: And as well as the, the physical prep and the physical training that you obviously have scheduled in so you know that you're you're on track to to get to that event and do your best on that particular day. What about mentally? How do you mentally prepare yourself for such a thing where you've got all eyes on you everybody wants you to win everybody's cheering you on you want to win it means an awful lot to you how do you get in the right mental state to be under that amount of pressure
1: i mean i definitely don't look
0: at it like that have i made it worse
1: Otherwise, I think I would feel a lot of pressure. Um, But for me, I think I'm still fairly new to this sport. So I'm just taking each experience as it comes. I think I'm really looking forward to having a crowd there and, you know, having my friends, my family cheer me on. But I think I'm kind of looking at it as like, you know, at the experience that it will be, you know, what can I do? do, what performance can I put out under those pressures? Um, and that will be really a big learning a learning experience for me. So, yeah, I guess I'm more just looking at it as like my own performance. What can I do? You know, can I do my best uh, under those circumstances? And, you know, hopefully I can.
0: Because your debut was at the Paralympics in Tokyo, right? Yeah. How was that experience? I mean, I, I can't imagine the excitement slash I'm imagining some nerves and fear thrown into the mix too.
1: Yeah, a whole a whole host of those. I, 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 Tokyo for me was not part of the plan. I didn't expect to be there, so I guess I was just kind of absorbing it all and yeah, taking it all in. But you know, as someone who's fairly new to even the world of disability, it was just a such an eye opening experience. You know, to see so many different athletes, uh, incredible stories, achieving amazing things. You know, despite potential challenges that you might have faced was just like it was just amazing to even see that so I think I was just excited to be part of it all and take it all in.
0: Yeah I can't even imagine how amazing that atmosphere was but of course it was there was extra complications in the fact that you had lockdowns beforehand and we've spoken to different athletes on the show already about the challenges that you all faced during that time. How did you train during all the lockdowns?
1: Yeah to, to be honest Training gave me the structure through lockdowns. You know, we were all needing something to keep us sane, and for me, having the structure in the day and having that as a goal was like so important. And I think just a reminder that we all need that in life. You know, we need a routine, we need structure, and um, training gave me that. I guess it was kind of lonely in some ways. You know, an individual sport training on your own uh, twice a day can be yeah a bit of a strange a strange one, but. I, you know i wouldn't have been at tokyo hadn't we got those locked to have hadn't we had covid and the, you know the extra time to prepare for the game so yeah i guess i just grabbed that with with both hands and was like you know how hard can i work during this time and you know hopefully there'll be light at the end of the tunnel
0: as you said a moment ago you're you're new to the world of disability you you had a, an accident in 2018 so really not that far back at all you know i never um move into territory like this lightly, because I know retelling stories can be traumatic triggering it 's um it 's a big deal to to retell stories, but do you mind sharing any of your story today?
1: yeah, so I think i mean it 's an important part of my journey i two thousand and eighteen was out for a cycle um just a Saturday afternoon, you know pretty normal circumstances and I was hit by a car, just a passing driver that completely didn't see me and the result of that were some pretty significant injuries. The most significant of that I guess was the break to my back and the damage to my spinal cord which ultimately left me with kind of little to no movement below my hips and you know I was looking at living life now as a wheelchair user.
0: So when you when I know that it, you, you when you got to hospital, you were told pretty short after that you wouldn't be able to to walk again. How do you cope with processing such life changing information like that?
1: I, I think I, I you know, when I looked at the whole and you know what that would mean for my life going forward, that that was scary. That was like sad. It was overwhelming you know it was something that I I would say I couldn't process so it then really turned to like okay today what you know what are we doing today what does tomorrow look like because that was the only way I could really comprehend that your look at my recovery um
0: and move forward yeah because I know that you've said that there was sort of a gradual development uh you understanding what was going to be possible after your accident and how much you'd be able to do how much you wouldn't be able to do what did that process involve? how how did you work through that process of of seeing how much you could actually achieve how much you could do
1: yeah I think at first it was like I was like I was almost grieving all the things that I thought I couldn't do or or I actually couldn't know you know I would no longer be able to do so That was the scary part, and to be honest, my ignorance and my lack of knowledge on you know what living life with a disability looks like, you know that made me fearful. That made me think like I have no idea, you know what what my life's going to look like. So I guess as time went on, and I started to speak to people and learn actually like what's possible, I think that's what yeah that's what kind of got me motivated and allowed me to start moving forward and thinking about what's next because I was like actually you know there's so much more possible than I thought and yeah that's kind of what got me excited about what was next
0: so obviously your your rehabilitation and and your recovery was was lengthy but you've obviously been introduced to the sport quite quite quickly at what point did you discover wheelchair racing who who introduced you to it
1: As soon as I came out of hospital, I was like, okay, I was thinking about sport. I was like, what can I get involved in? You know, what can I do now that I didn't before? Um, And I was really open to trying a number of things. I think there's something super special about parasport in the way that, you know, you could go to a club and there could be complete beginners or recreational athletes, but also like Paralympians or, you know, elite sports people. So when I got started at um the local athletics club that's what i saw i saw like you know people that were making a career out of this and were achieving incredible things so as soon as i went down to the athletics club you know i was like excited about the progression and um when i could get started and you know how how far i could go in the sport
0: and so at what point did you think yeah this is this is for me you know was it kind of love at first sight with the sport or did it take a little while to go okay i think there's there's some potential here for me to be really good at this.
1: Um, I don't think I've ever thought that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't immediate. I don't know if you've seen a racing wheelchair, but they are not made for comfort. So when I first sat in one, I was like, oh my goodness, this is awful. (laughs) I was also really, really bad, very slow. But I think that was kind of the beauty of it. Like I was not good. I wasn't like, no one said to me, oh, you're, you know, you're going to be good. You're going to be amazing at this but I was like, I can only get better. So I think that was kind of like motivated me to try and get going and work hard to see how good I could get.
0: I mean, you said a moment ago that it was a surprise to be at Tokyo. How come? How, what was your journey from that moment to then debuting at Tokyo?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess I was two, two and a half years into the sport um, come Tokyo. So when selection was being made, I didn't really see myself as, you know being in the lineup but when i started i yeah i guess i just started to train hard i um was determined to get better i continued to race to, to improve my times and as time went on you know my times were improving and i was getting closer to kind of that standard that you'd need to meet to to get to get selected so yeah it was just a gradual progression you know of over that time just continuing to grind out and and see how much better i could get
0: so was there a moment where you thought okay right this is I'm enjoying this, this is a great challenge, I'm making new friends. There feels like a sense of community to okay, this is now this is a this is a serious high end career option for me.
1: Yeah, I think it was the start of that summer. I got my selection my first G B selection to represent Great Britain at the Europeans, but that was eye opening, you know, I was against other athletes that I thought you know I can't even compete with but as the summer went on I continued to improve and I was like if this is how far I can get within this amount of time or when I was at Tokyo I was like if I can be against some of these athletes at this point like I know for Paris in 2024 that you know I want to be there really being competitive and not just there for the experience.
0: Yeah, so I'm imagining training ups from now till Paris, right?
1: Yeah, I know that um, it'll come around super quick. I think that it seems like far away just now, but, you know, as we go through the years, it'll it'll be around before we know it. So it's just like... Taking everything I can get from the, the racing that I'm doing at the moment, but also continuing to, to look for improvements and get better and hone the craft of, of wheelchair racing.
0: So you've got the Commonwealth and then after that, are you just like Paris Paralympics all the way? You're just, that's your focus?
1: Yeah, next year we'll have a world championship. So that'll kind of be the stepping stone to, to go to Paris in 2024. So, you know, next year will be a big year. And again, we'll go into a winter of training before we hit the big year of the Paralympics again. So it's kind of nonstop.
0: How vital is funding from the National Lottery for para sports? do you think?
1: Yeah, the National Lottery funding gives us access to world-class facilities. That's, you know, that's where we train. That's the resources that we can get access to. And that allows us to be the best that we can be. It also it also creates a pathway for us into elite sports. So for me, I'm relatively new and I've seen that pathway and how supportive it can be, you know, to getting you to the top level. So, um, yeah, it's crucial. It's vital in, in getting us to be our best.
0: It's amazing. Do you ever have days where you're just like, I haven't got it in me today. I haven't got the mental capacity. I'm physically exhausted. I don't want to train. How do you motivate yourself if you do have those moments?
1: Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely, you know, think I can't be bothered or, you know, this is hard. But I think I just remind myself that I can do hard things and actually starting training or, you know, beginning something can be the hardest part. But, you know, I think it's just having that kind of like, discipline and self-belief that you know once you start you've got it in you and um I think that's kind of what's taken me through you know whether it's my recovery or into the sport so it's just that it's something I just remind myself of.
0: I guess also like most things in life that do require hard work seeing any sort of progress that's motivating in itself I guess.
1: Yeah and I think as adults we can be so scared to try something new you know like we can be so fearful of uh, being bad at something. But, you know, I had a really, I had a blank page, which gave me the opportunity to do that. And I think, like, if I encourage anybody to do, you know, to try something new, to try things that scare them, because you can only get better. And that can be a really satisfying feeling.
0: Yeah, you're so right. I think, you know, it's a given that kids will try new things almost weekly. They'll give something new a go or try a new experience. But we get quite stuck in a rut with, yeah no this is what I do. I don't do this, or I don't want a new hobby, but actually it's so liberating to try something new and it's such a a good way of just like shaking things up and getting new perspectives and I guess also like discovering new parts of yourself along the way,
1: yeah, and you'll find things that are like that are not for you, but you'll you could find things that you know. Like will bring you a lot of excitement and a lot of challenge and you know, we just have to have to continue to try new things to find that.
0: What would you say to anybody out there wanting to try a parasport for the first time who feels perhaps apprehensive or nervous?
1: Yeah, don't be don't be afraid of the challenge. Uh, try as many things as you can. Yeah, I think trying as many things as you can is is so important because, you know, not everything will be for you.
0: So you just gotta give it a go and see what what floats your boat yeah
1: exactly what floats your boat what
0: floats your boat and then just do more of it whatever feels good do more of it so look we've got the commonwealth coming up very very soon you're in the midst of training are you training later today i'm imagining yeah (laughs) okay so what when you're on that start line and you're waiting to just give it your all what is going through your head do you try and clear it or is there a specific thought a mantra what's going on cognitively for you
1: I think it's about clearing it quite often we can have so many different thoughts muddling our mind and again under those pressures the last thing I'm wanting to be doing is deciphering which ones are useful and which ones are not so so yeah being able to clear my mind and just be present in that moment I think will be really helpful for me.
0: And then what about when you're racing do you think of anything is it even possible to?
1: I think it's on the race it's you know it's (laughs) <laughs> what can be done within the race, what I'm focusing on um, technically and tactically. So, yeah, that's really what I'm thinking about.
0: I mean, whenever we've had athletes on the show before, quite often they speak of this sort of flow state that you get into where there isn't really any thought and it almost feels effortless because you've done the work, you've done the prep, and then in that moment you're able to just use the adrenaline to focus and do what you need to do. Do you experience that when you're, when you're in a, a national or international race?
1: Yeah, I think, you you know, you practice what you do day in, day out. So in that moment, it's leaving up to, you know, believing that you can do it and you do it every day. And, you know, you just need to, it's just another day. It's just another race, you know, without putting the pressures of it being international or being a championship race. I think being able to do that allows you to just go out, enjoy it and enjoy the experience for what it is.
0: How the hell do you do that, though? Do you know what I mean? I... I often will have something nerve wracking coming up. I mean, nowhere near as nerve wracking as taking part in the Commonwealth games or the Paralympics, but certainly things where I'm putting the pressure on myself because I want to do it. Well, I want it to go as well as possible. And of course, in the world of sport, you have to sort of, the end game is perfection. If you want to win, isn't it? Like that's the, the goal is if you want to get a gold medal, it is the perfect race. So how do you stop that pressure from from taking over? I have so not nailed that one.
1: Yeah, I don't think I have either. I think that's definitely a learning a learning element of the sport. And I think for me I have to remind myself of why I'm doing this, you know, it is in some ways a selfish pursuit to see what I can achieve in the sport to to gain opportunities from, you know, the kind of life-changing event that happened so in that sense it's important to me to do well but I remind myself that my friends my family those that are important to me will be proud no matter what so putting that pressure on myself and you know thinking that the only outcome for me that would be successful is to is to win or to do well is um, is overwhelming. So I think I just kind of need to take it back to the simplicity of why I'm doing this and and try and enjoy it because, you know, before my injury and before my accident, I would never have experienced anything like this. So, so trying to, yeah, trying to appreciate that is important.
0: Yeah, such a healthy approach to it and like enjoying being in the moment rather than I guess like looking for the, the bit afterwards where you can be relieved. It's really important to actually enjoy the tough bit, the bit that you've put all the work in for, it's so important. Do you sleep well the night before? How do you deal with thoughts rumbling around the old head in those moments?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it can be a mix, like, you know, that way where you, as you say, you can get super nervous and you can overthink it and, you know, trying to get to sleep, but the night before can, oh wow, it can be hard. Yeah, um, I'm. A, I, I have to say, I'm a good sleeper. So, oh, you lucky thing. <laughs> I know. I'm grateful for that because head on the pillow,
0: I'm away. I love that. I, I again, I'm. I have not nailed that one. I am a terrible sleeper, especially if I've got things rumbling around my head. What about if doubt creeps in? How do you deal with moments of doubt?
1: I think you get on the start line like I always feel like I can't do this or I'm going to be bad. Like I always, that goes through my mind. Like this is going to go badly. And I I think that's just your, our, that's fear. Like that's being scared of what we're about to do. But as soon as I cross the finish line, it's like, oh, that was great. I love it. So like, I have to almost remind myself that that's coming. And this is just like my brain kicking in and saying like, this is scary. And, you know, that's just, that's like a process that repeats constantly. So... Gosh, it's a strange way your mind works.
0: It is, but I think that's a really good way of putting it that you have to, I mean, I I certainly do in my own tiny way, remember that that is part of the process. Like I'm going to feel absolutely bloody awful and be terrified and every bad voice is going to pop up into my head telling me I'm not capable of doing this, this and this. And then I get to the bit where I do the job or I do the thing and it's a different experience. I think... That's rather than trying to banish that bit and go, no, 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 this bit can't be happening, which makes it even, it ramps it up even more. It is actually really, I think, again, a healthy um, mindset to go, this is just part of the process. This is part of it and it will pass and they'll then be like the next phase or the next feeling that comes.
1: Yeah, it's like listening to the voices, isn't it?
0: Oh, never listen to that voice in your head. <laughs> never, never listen to it. You've got to follow the heart. I mean, it's very interesting whenever... I talk either on the podcast or to people outside of work wheelchair users specifically about these big celebrations whether it be the Paralympics the Commonwealth Games uh, the 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 world championships there's such support and celebration for the disability community but then so so often when I've spoken to people there feels like there's a lull afterwards outside of sport in the real world where that support and celebration dwindles. How have you found that over the last few years and what are your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah I think it's very evident that we have this kind of inspiration bubble of Paralympians and it was a very strange experience for me to go into disability sport and for people to automatically say, or oh, are you going to the Paralympics? And, you know, I was like, no, I'm, I'm awful at this. <laughs> I'm absolutely not. But that was our association with uh, those with disabilities and those with disabilities in sport. You know, that's, that's our reference. So I think it's important. Yeah. We appreciate Paralympians and para athletes for what they've achieved, you know, in sport and as elite sports people, like that's, you know, that's incredible but also recognize that that's not what everyone wants to be you know that's not what all with disabilities want to be some some just want to take part in sport recreationally or you know they want to be fit they want to be active and not necessarily be put on the, the pedestal of being a Paralympian and you know with reference to that be then not achieving if they don't get to that level so yeah it's a, it's a super complex one you know I think whenever I hear the word inspiration it, it's conflicted because I feel grateful that someone you know might see me as an inspiration or motivated to get into sport or be active because you know they see that you can be if you have a disability but it's definitely yeah there's definitely a conflict in in opinion and, and the kind of reasons why we see Paralympians with a disability as inspirations.
0: Yeah yeah I mean you're you echo the thoughts of all other guests we've had on the podcast who have the same experience of people using the word inspirational without thought or without realising what impact it has, uh, without that undercurrent of ableism. And, um, you know, as we've said time and time before, in this space, there's clearly so much that needs to be done in terms of Physical, practical, and emotional support for the disability community that that does not exist.
1: If I'm an inspiration for you know overcoming the the challenges that have faced me, or you know the the kind of adversity that I've managed to overcome, then you know absolutely. But if I'm an inspiration for going out and about in my wheelchair, you know doing my normal day to day things, then you know that that definitely has problems.
0: So much has gone into putting the Commonwealth Games together with the help from a huge team and obviously the help from the National Lottery players. And it looks to be an amazing spectacle. How are the nerves? Is excitement overriding the nerves? Where are you at with that?
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, three weeks will come around quick. I know it.
0: (laughs) I mean, you're going to literally blink (laughs) and you're going to be on the start line. It's going to be that quick. But I wish you all the love and luck with it. And I really hope that the rest of your training for the next three weeks, where I'm sure it intensifies somewhat, goes really, really well. And um, we'll all be cheering you on and are just so excited to see how you do, without pressure, uh, in the Commonwealth and also in Paris.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much.
0: Melanie, thank you so much for that gorgeous chat. And... Best of luck for the Commonwealth Games. It's so amazing what the National Lottery does for people and I'm just so pleased we could shed a bit of light on Melanie and her phenomenal dedication and drive. Thanks again to Melanie, to National Lottery players for raising over £40 million to support this year's Commonwealth Games, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio and, of course, to you beautiful people for listening. I love you and I'll chat soon.